Welcome to Childhood Remastered. This is the show where we look back on uh, the cartoons of yesteryear, all the Saturday morning cartoons that we knew and love, and uh, we see if they're still viable today. If, or not. Uh, or not, and see if uh, see if a kid nowadays would actually care to watch something like this, like we did uh, back, way back when. Uh, my name is Sean Coca. I'm your host. And I'm Chris Gravitt. This week, we are going to be looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That is the 1987 cartoon that was featured on the TVs of many kids that I knew when I was growing up, as well as my own. Yeah, I, I spent a bunch of time with that, and I remember my little brother specifically was pretty obsessed. And it uh, it started off as just a short run. A- actually, the, the deal with the show was was solely created so that there could be a toy line. And when the comics were originally farmed out to try and get toys made, the toy makers wouldn't even allow them to sign a deal unless they agreed to a television deal for cartoons. Like so many of like so many of the great cartoons in the 1980s, the show was literally created to sell toys. That was the purpose of the show. It wasn't it wasn't to entertain kids. It was to be a 20 minute long commercial for merchandise. 22 minutes. Oh, sorry, 22 minutes. A 20 to 23 minute long commercial for for toys that I was happy to consume. Yes. Yes, I was I will say that their their marketing ploy worked very well on me. I was one of the the, uh, the types of toys that I begged for when I was younger was Ninja Turtles toys. I loved Ninja Turtle toys. I had three major toy categories when I was a kid, and Ninja Turtles was definitely a large part of it. Yeah, for me, Ninja Turtles was uh, was a pretty large toy category too. But I remember a lot of the uh, the other weird merchandising that they had: the masks, the cereal, the plastic uh, toys, the plastic Ninja toys that you could wear. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and what's what's kind of interesting is, you no, know, the turtles originally in the comics, all of them were red, but they were they changed their colors solely for the toy purpose, and so you had the red and yellow, or uh, red, orange, purple, and blue made for this cartoon show, and they were essentially color coding the characters so that little kids would know which toy to buy. I but, like Donatello; he's the purple one. Exactly, and and in some of the um, turtles iterations, whether it be movie or animated, sometimes there were. You know, mistakes either in costuming or animation that ended up actually being correct if you think about the comics because it was always some character was wrongly colored red. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, very seldomly was the character color the wrong blue or purple, but it was always, you always had uh, multiple characters colored red. And, and especially now, you know, it's a kind of interesting bit of uh, trivia. Yeah, the, the, the comic was uh, originally published in 1984. And um, the cartoon series started in 1987. The comic was originally kind of a spoof comic um, about a bunch of different type, a bunch of different comics that were popular at the time. Um, the the authors trying to spoof Daredevil, the New Mutants, um, Frank Miller's Ronin, among others. And uh, they really, it was a, if I remember correctly, it was it was almost like a cocktail napkin that the guy wrote it on. He like drew he drew some turtles and masks. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. And and also, what's interesting is the toy company. I think it was uh, Playmates. They they actually were like an unknown. Nobody had like heard of them before. Um, not really. They they weren't really popular. And turtles just put them on the map, and they just made a ton of money hand over fist from the show. 
You know, because they had, of course, they had the original Turtles and Splinter and Bebop and Rocksteady, and then they started making some of the more, you know, weird characters. But later on, they started making characters, uh, toys for characters that weren't even in the show, and then they put them into the show because they made toys out of them. It, that was actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Life imitating art and art imitating, well, toys imitating cartoons and cartoons imitating toys. Yeah. So, in order to, uh, both of us were big fans of this show when we were kids, but. Hadn't seen it in a long time. So. I, uh, to be fair, I have not sat down and watched an, an episode of the original Turtles in at least, uh, I'm going to say, 10, 15, 15 years, probably. Probably about the same. And, and just just for reference, we're both in our 30s. And uh, we both watched this as kids when we were like nine, eight, nine years old. Yeah, I'm, I mean, to be fair, I probably watched it a little older, too, because, yeah. <laughs> because uh, my little brother was into it. My sister's almost six years younger than me. She was into Turtles. So I mean, we any excuse to watch a cartoon, I would find too. Well, and now, <laughs> there's no and, shame in that. Well, and now I have my my two and a half year old daughter, and the uh, best so, excuse in the world. So you know, actually, <laughs> I've been doing that with a bunch of cartoons, and I figured that it would actually be kind of fun to go back and watch some of these with her. So that's what I chose to do when we reviewed this. Is I at least made sure to watch the first two episodes with her, just to kind of gauge her reaction, see what she thought, and I took a few notes down on that as well. Uh, she did uh, just a spoiler here she did not find it as amusing as I was hoping that she would she uh, at the moment she's actually really obsessed with the uh, 1992 animated uh, Batman series so we may be doing that at some point because uh, that is all she wants to watch right now one of the things that we're gonna try and do is try and look past the uh, rose-colored glasses of you know looking at something that we really really liked when we were kids and that's not always an easy uh, task because some of the some of the really bad cheese and the really terrible writing, you know, it'll have a special place in our heart and it'll be fun. But it's not something that maybe, well, who knows? There's a lot of really terrible, shitty writing in kids' cartoons nowadays. So. Yeah, we're going to be doing some of those too uh, to punish Sean. Because uh, <laughs> ha- if I have to watch them, so does Sean. So uh, the first episode is called Turtle Tracks. And in this first season, they only did five episodes. It's kind of like a test run to really see how well they could market these toys. And it, the episode starts right off with this late 80s, early 90s toot, that kind of uh, like uh, faux tough guy wailing guitar with the fake punk look and the, the really just terrible attempt at at making New York look like a grimy crime hole of I mean, nothing. but To be fair, in the, ni- in the late 1980s, it kind of was. Well, it was, yeah, crack epidemic and all that. But, but not to get into that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's uh, a different show. Yeah, New York was a bit of a cesspool in the, in the late 80s. I, I like how every cartoon really, it seems like every cartoon at least geared towards, guy, geared, toward, geared towards boys in this era had to have some element of attitude. Sometimes they even like announced it. That these characters have attitude. I mean, in the in the theme song, in the theme song, the thing, the you know, each turtle is described by their by their characteristic trait. And Michelangelo is a party dude. Yeah, I mean, but, so we we have to you know pay yeah. reverence and to that. Ra- Raphael is ridiculous. cool but rude. Like they had to they had to they had to let you know that he was cool, but he's also rude. So he's not he's not a nice guy. But he's not, he's not a jerk. He's cool, but he's rude. Well, and what I noticed right away um, is Raphael actually has some really good um, dialogue, at least as far as the way he's written. I noticed it, it seemed to be a little uh, 1980s Bill Murray-esque. Not a lot, but, but enough that it made his lines somewhat entertaining. 
And, uh, you know, some we get to see this first episode, we kind of get to see some of these characters start off um, in the beginning. So uh, Bebop and Rocksteady are actually still human in this first episode, but they're, quote, ninjas. And the only way that we know that they're, quote, ninjas is because of the rope is made in Japan that uh, was oh. used in a crime. <laughs> I laughed a lot at that. They, they had this professor on screen, uh, and uh, April was, was interviewing the... There's a crime, a crime wave in the city, and they think that it's ninjas doing it. And there's this, you know, professor. He's got a beard and he's walking around. It's like, so professor, why do you think it's ninjas? And he picks up a rope. And he's oh, because the rope says made in Japan. So obviously ninjas. Yeah, I just thought that was so ridiculous. I mean, for for like a little kid in the 1980s with zero cultural exposure, then it must be true. Everything um, from. Ju- Godzilla is a ninja because he's from Japan. Yeah, I also, exactly. I also like that that April's her newscast is called the Happy Hour News. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty. Uh, I mean, not to get to too down the uh, double entendre uh, rabbit hole, but April's also kind of famous for that that busty uh, neckline of hers. Yeah, you know what's um, funny is in the comics, April was Baxter Stockman's assistant. She was like a lab assistant, and for the cartoon, they made right. her a reporter. For, well, for reasons. Uh, yeah, for reasons. Who knows? Uh, probably, <laughs> probably to help sell toys better. But. To get her bustier. So the episode starts off with her doing this newscast, and they're showing Bebop and Rocksteady and a bunch of other, quote, henchmen ninjas um, beating up on a car or whatever. And uh, and then they they cut to her doing her newscast, and uh, and so the bad guys come along, and uh, you know she wants to cover it, and her team, they just decide to leave her there. Uh, which I thought was kind of a messed up thing to do. Um, hey, man, it's it's New York. Everybody for themselves. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Well, and so, like, they come up, and one of the guys, he looks like a like a, a blonde, mohawked, skinny version of He-Man. And then, and then some weird guy dressed as a, as a, as a villain who looks uh, some sort of a Hogan's hero reject. That I'd really I didn't understand because their their look is just so all it's over like, the map. It's like somebody it's like somebody was watching Mad Max through like a window and they didn't know what it was about and they just sort of took pieces of character design and made them into punk yeah. characters. Yeah, they're like what would what would demonstrate the most eighties and nineties tood? It's gonna be these guys. Well, and so then so then right after they the camera crew leaves. Uh, April decides that she's going to fight back. She throws the camera like a football, like it's nothing. And these cameras are not, first of all, they're expensive, so I highly doubt she would have decided to throw it. And two, that thing was heavy. There's no way she would have thrown it. I mean, she threw it like it was nothing. Yeah, and then Bebop, or Rocksteady, he grabs it, and he's like, like, she tossed it no problem, and it like takes him out for a second. Yeah, and so then she escapes down the sewers. And oh, wait, wait, wait. As, she, as she's running away, she said, I think my favorite line from the episode, she goes, Oh, right! They're trying to kill me! This is great! Yeah, and she's all excited <laughs> about it. Well, so so here's the thing that I thought was really interesting. She gets down to the sewers, and you know, then we get our first like little battle with the turtles and the, and the bad guys. And um, which is, to be fair, fairly well animated. In fact, I would say all of these action sequences are fairly well animated. They have a pretty decent frame rate ratio for um, for the action set pieces. Um, the music is cool. Uh, it's catchy and it's well done. Um, and so they end up down here in the sewers, and uh, so they're fighting these uh, ninja thugs or whatever. And uh, Shredder is apparently watching them. From where? Who knows where? He's got He's, cameras all over the city. Yeah, magical cameras that he can see down into the sewer, but he doesn't know where their lair is, and he can't follow them because 
magic cameras. I don't know. That's the thing I didn't get. Maybe it's Dimension X technology. He can just hone in on mutants. Well, spoiler, I think it's like episode three or four, and we'll get there. Um, they were like these... these um, hovering uh robot cameras that look like drones yeah um they look like roly polies with helicopter uh, blades on top and you know it was weird because i'm thinking okay so these helicopter things are are sitting here floating around in the sewer one nobody notices one nobody notices two how the hell did they get down there yeah man ninja turtles predicted uh drones like 20 years in advance yeah that's right or Uh, no 30 years in advance what's it oh yeah yeah now i'm now i feel old john thanks um (laughs) So they they end up down in the in the turtle lair, right? And uh, April's passed out, and she wakes up, and they decide to eat pizza. Of course, they have to eat weird pizza flavors uh, because '80s and '90s tood pizza is all a rage, right? And I, I, um, I assume that it's because in order to deal with their existence as mutant turtles, as anthropomorphic mutant turtles, they just smoke a lot of weed, and that's why they get the weird pizzas. Because I don't know how else to explain Michelangelo, because. I get the surfer, you know, he's a, he's Southern California surfer uh, lingo. Man, he is he is freaking he is fucking spacey, and he is like a he's like a child compared to the rest of them. Like he's constantly just what's going on, guys. He also has slow kid strength too, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, so one of the pizza flavors that they had was pepperoni and ice cream, which, to be honest, actually does not sound completely inedible. They had some other, it was like peanut ice butter. Cream would be all melty. They had peanut butter and anchovy, I think, was one other one, which didn't sound all that great. But, you know, they had these, these pizza flavors, and then we get, you know, Splinter giving his, like, life story or whatever about... You know, oh, yeah. Orokosaki and, uh, you know, in the, the foot clan. of the foot. And so they show this scene with um, with Splinter's master um, giving this kind of racist depiction of, of a Japanese accent, telling him to throw the bum out. Yeah. Uh, I wonder I wonder if anybody who, does, who did the voices on these shows looked back, you know, like... Like, like with shame. Yeah, like, you know, if, if, if Mickey... Uh, if, not Mickey Rourke, if uh, Mickey Rooney... Ever looks back on Breakfast at Tiffany's oh, he and does. goes, he does. oh my god. Uh, yeah, no, he. I'm sure he Mrs. has Mrs. Go-Rightry! Mrs. Go-Rightry! He has to. There's no way. Well, and the thing that I thought was really funny is they show like how the, the Foot Clan was just like noble like ninja warrior clan or whatever. No, there were noble ninjas. Well, whatever. They they show, they make it look like they're like this like, uh, you know, respectable honorable, respectable martial, respectable arts. martial yeah. arts clan or whatever. And as soon as... They all dress like samurais. Yeah, so <laughs> as, as I mean, they're ninjas doing Bushido, so like I'm confused there. Yeah. But then, you know, he says throw the bum out and then they immediately cut to the Foot Clan mugging a kid for his ice cream. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? I thought you guys were supposed to be a bunch of honorable ninjas. You guys changed that fast? Didn't one of them, like, jump kick a a soda machine and got all the soda cans out of it? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, like, there's some discrepancy there. You know... As, as a kid, you're just like, man, these are bad guys. And as an adult, I, all I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, man, this is just some silly shit, man. Yeah. Uh, it, at this point in the episode, which is maybe about eight or nine minutes in, um, my kid is pretty bored. I have to be honest. She was, like, not feeling it that much. She thought she thought Splinter was pretty cool, actually. She thought he was a, some sort of rat man, which he kind of is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and she likes Shredder because <laughs> I have a weird kid who only likes the villains. Um, There's nothing wrong with liking the villains. She only likes the villains. She generally has zero care for the other characters. Like right now with Batman, she is more interested in the Joker than the Batman. Well, that's totally normal. Well, that is true. But for a two and a half year old, it's a bit weird. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So they're looking for they're looking for uh, the Shredder's criminal organization. It leads them to 
what I can only describe as the ninja part of New York. Oh, so wait, before, I have to. I hate to stop you, but before they get to the ninja parlor, we have kind of a big moment here. I don't know if this is going to be in later uh, Turtle seasons, but Donatello breaks the fucking fourth wall, <laughs> and he turns to the audience and says, or uh, he says to April, um, you wouldn't last five minutes in a ninja pizza parlor. And then he turns to the audience and he goes, I love saying lines like that. And I thought... <laughs> Donatello has the Zach Morris power of time stop ability. Yeah, this is this is awesome. Well, I'm we'll, sorry. So, so no, go we'll, ahead. we'll come to we'll come to find out later that Donatello has a lot of powers that sort of get the get the turtles out of a lot of situations. Yeah, but so they're looking for they're looking to try and find Shredder's criminal organization. They end up in the ninja part of town, and you know it's the ninja part of town because they explicitly say ninja dry cleaners, ninja. Ninja video? Ninja video? Ninja ninja acupuncture? Ow! And then they find the ninja pizza place. And of course, everybody in the pizza parlor has masks on. And they all look like they all look like criminal thugs. Yeah, I mean, they all look like uh like a mix between um, you know, Don Vito from uh from Bam Margera or uh, mixed with uh, Joe Pesci, but they're wearing like bandanas. Yeah. And it made no sense. Uh, I mean, the whole neighborhood is dressed like that. Yeah, so April takes off, and the turtles are left there, and there's a there's a silly, sticky line where the ninja at the counter throws a throws a note to them with a knife, and he's like, "Oh my god, what is it? A threat?" And Raph says, "It's worse. It's, it's the, the bill. bill." Yeah. Well, and like, why are the turtles so obsessed? And dot, I mean, they're it's dogmatic. Their their weird love of pizza. I mean, they have to be diabetic they, at this point. Can from, turtles get diabetic? I don't if know. If you're a veterinarian, but, email us at uh, childhood. Remastered at gmail.com. We could just ask Sam. We could. We have a friend that's a vet, but who knows if she wants to be on the call? Who knows if she knows anything about turtles? Yeah, I don't know. Dogs and cats, but. Yeah, but so the bill comes, they run out, they're looking for April. And uh, I have to mention that they're dressed like flashers because their super genius cost, their super genius disguise is trench coats and fedoras. Yeah, but, and everything appears to be dirty and dangerous. Yeah. And it's kind of weird, especially if you've been to New York or if you live in New York now. It's um, offensive. Well, no, it's just it's kind of funny because New York is always dirty and dangerous, and now Times Square has a fucking Olive Garden and a and a Guy Fieri restaurant, and it's so weird. Uh, uh, that Guy Fieri restaurant might actually be kind of dangerous. Um, yes, for turtles' diabetes. <laughs> turtles with diabetes. Oh Jesus! So uh, then, at the end, we get our first fight with the turtles and the Foot Clan, and and it's really well animated. Yeah, it's actually pretty damn good. And they, it was probably the most exciting part of the episode where yeah, they, I start, so too. they start fighting and they don't really know what's going on. They don't know who these guys are. And then I think it's Raphael who hits one of them and he goes, Clang? Did you say Clang? And then he slashes them with a sigh and it turns out they're a robot. And they're like, wait a minute, these guys are robots. Let's right. fucking kick their ass. And they throw their trench coats off and they just start going to town and beating the shit out of them. Yeah, I mean they um they like ripped those things apart, and uh, it was I, the uh, the music was was well synced. The sound effects were pretty decent. Um, all in all, all the fight scenes uh, so far uh, have been pretty good. And and so I figure if it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they better do at least one thing right. It better be the, the fight scenes. Yeah, I mean I would hope so. You would hope so. Well, so so they're fighting the the turtles, and then uh, again, Splint, uh, Shredder with his bird's eye magical camera yeah. views or whatever that they don't explain that turn out to be gyrocopters that the turtles can't see because nobody yeah. has ears apparently. They 
they're, they're, uh, he's sitting there and he's watching them and he apparently he knows that Splinter has turtles, that they're Splinter's turtles. One, how does he know that Splinter is even alive? Two, that he's in New York. Three, that these are his turtles. He recognizes the, the fighting style. Yeah, but that still doesn't explain how he knows that they are Splinter's <clears throat> turtles. Also, yeah. like, it, it just, you can recognize their fighting style from like a couple of moves. Yeah, maybe. I, I, maybe. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the end of the that's the end of the the episode. It, it, well, no, because it ends with another terrible uh, pizza joke. Oh, um, that's right. Because April now has to eat weird pizza. She eats a banana and sausage pizza. That's kind of phallic. Yeah. Is well, you know, with her busty uh, uh, top line, why not? Yeah. Oh, and then the the building that they were in uh, fills with water, and they surf their way out on a desk. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. All right. So then we move on to the second episode. Um, it's I called th- Enter the Shredder. Enter the Shredder. So the first thing I wrote down in my notes about this episode is that um, apparently Japanese people only eat sushi because that's all Splinter eats. In every episode. In every episode. I don't know where he gets his sushi. I don't know if he's rolling it himself down there. Where does he get the fish? Because I figure that the reason they get pizza all the time is because they can get it delivered to like a sewer. Yeah, but get who it the hell to wants to drink. eat sushi out of the sewer? Maybe he catches sewer fish. Yeah. I mean, the- he is a rat. The mercury's got to be really high. I don't think they cared about that in 1987. Uh, yeah, obviously, uh, hence lymphoma. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty dark. Um, but then they. Uh, this is the first episode where Krang is introduced. The and uh, the Technodrome and the Technodrome. All but, the all but the, no giant body yet. No giant body. He's just a brain that's floating or not floating he's got a little he's got a little like wheeled stool that he rolls around on yeah it's, it's like a weird like little tripod yeah uh, and if you haven't noticed by now shredder is the voice or shredder's voice is the dad from fresh prince of bel-air yeah it is uh which is pretty awesome and also hard not to hear after you hear it yeah like it, once I'm, you know it you can't unhear it did they have any asian people at all doing this show uh, I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to probably say no. Probably. It's 1987. I highly doubt it. I don't think there were Asians in 1987. Not according to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, and that's where I get all my information. So the, oh, Bebop and Rocksteady, actually, they get to transform in this episode. The robots that come and capture the animals for to transform them are these wheeled, uh, one-wheeled, like, unicycle robots. I remember them from the video game. And they are. They're the same one from the video game. And so they capture a rhino and a giant hog. Okay, the first thing I thought of, it, it, it's a, it's supposed to be a warthog, right? The first thing I thought of, they, so they go to the New York Zoo. Or they go to the, I'm guessing it's the Central Park Zoo. I, I think it's probably the Bronx Zoo. Whatever they go to. They go to a zoo. And the first thing, he says that he wants killers. He wants killers to mutate, to make the to make the, the thugs stronger. So, so he picks two, he picks an herbivore and an omnivore. So. Essentially scavenger animals. Yeah, so he like. He picks a rhino and a warthog, and I'm I guarantee, I guarantee that there was a lion and a bear or a tiger or something at that. It was zoo. I think it was a lion um it, that they showed. Yeah, so why not get the lion? You know, it would be friggin' scary to go up against a mutated man lion or a mutated man tiger, not a friggin' rhino. Well, spoiler alert for I think season six or seven, if I remember, uh, there is a character named Leo Lionhearted, uh, and I know because I had his toy. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, Sean, because he's awesome. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying why not get a friggin' lion or a tiger? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes no sense. So, I mean, the turtles are down, uh, like, in the uh, 
underground like labyrinth of sewer slash whatever uh, trying to find the Technodrum. And we actually get kind of a, a size comparison for the Technodrum because Michelangelo uh, mentions that uh, they could fit Shea Stadium in the size of the hole that the Technodrome makes. And Chase Stadium is the former uh, stadium for the Mets um, that that's, was demolished in 2008. And it held about 60,000 people. So that's a pretty big, I mean, Technodrome's pretty big, which I thought was kind of cool. As a kid, you know, I couldn't really picture, but as an adult, that actually kind of helps me visualize. Yeah, because you can't really tell based on, like, the size comparison of the Turtles to the Technodrome. Yeah, because they ex- never, it, it always, like, cuts back and forth. You yeah. never get, like, a good view of it. Yeah, and and I don't know if this happens before or after they find the Technodrome, but when they, they get up onto the surface and they're trying to find April and they have to disguise themselves really quick. And so they disguise, I wrote down in my notes that they disguised, they disguised themselves as gay men because when it cuts back to them, they are wearing like puffy leather vests, puffy leather jackets, sunglasses, Sneakers, no pants. None of them are wearing pants. Yeah, they're break dancers. Uh, they're break dancers. They're like then, uh, Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. If you guys are into into that uh, into that scene, but it's kind of creepy because all the anthropomorphic uh, iterations throughout Turtles, they generally all wear pants except for the turtles. No matter yeah, what weird Bebop outfit and, they, Bebop they wear, Bebop and Rocksteady wear pants. Yeah, and but, S- Splinter, his bottom half is covered. Yeah, he's got a big giant kimono that he wears. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of turtle on. I wrote down there's a lot of turtle on robot action. Yeah, well, and this is also the this is the second time now that April gets assigned a news story that ends up involving the turtles, uh, which is going to be a running theme throughout the rest of the series. One would think that it was written that way. Yeah, this is weird that their make believe universe would be written that way. Yeah, and so so this episode ends with um, this episode ends with the turtles facing off against Bebop and Rocksteady for the first time. In their mutated form as a robot, or as a robot, as a uh, warthog and a and a uh, rhinoceros. Well, and you know that part of the fight was not all that well. It, it wasn't that interesting for me. I thought the in, the interesting fight was between them and the robots because they had all these like really cool like shaped robots. Yeah, there was weird stuff. It, what? what and this why? Is what, why would they have those robots? What purpose did they? A serve? lot of them look like single serving, like single use robots. It did. Yeah. They're like single tasks, which <laughs> it makes like, no sense. It was like. It was like if um, if somebody had a had a bunch like a like a five year old had some Legos and was like build me a robot. Okay, I'm gonna build this one. It's got big legs. Or like like kids when they draw monsters and they over exaggerate parts of them, so it's got big long legs and like a tiny head. Or yeah, it was like they gave them features uh, to make them look menacing that did nothing. Yeah, they, um, they were kind of like they were kind of like the robots that you would see in the danger in the danger yeah, room. Yeah, in the and, danger room and, and from the, the X Men. Yeah. but but this fight is cool because it shows that Michelangelo is a fucking wrecking ball because <laughs> he is. smashes through steel using wooden nunchucks like they were paper. Yeah, and there's one part where. There's one part where he's like he's basically riding one of them and he is bashing the shit out of it. The thing is already down. It's down and out and he's just he's doing some roid rage, some mutant rage where he's just bashing to- the shit out of it with his nunchuck. I told you slow kid's strong, man. <laughs> he's just like there's no point the thing is dead. It's down on the ground. It's disabled. And he's like no. <laughs> Yeah, he just pounds it down. It, in you know, they in this episode they show that the mutagenic ooze actually came from Shredder, which came from Krang. Ergo, it came from another dimension and outer space, which means Michael Bay actually did it right in the movie. You bite your fucking tongue. <laughs> I, I know, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Michael Bay. I'm a fan of his explosions. Especially for what he did to Transformers. It, that makes me very angry. But uh, they did get it right with that part 
in the Turtles movie, which, by the way, I didn't think was that bad. But that's that's a discussion for another show. So yeah. you want to go on to – I think we can cover episode three, yeah. uh, which is called A Thing About Rats. Man, it's good that you wrote these down because I didn't write down any of the names of the episodes. <laughs> well, wow. some of them because I thought they were kind of uh, they were kind of funny because I do that. <laughs> and then they would show like the title with like Leonardo eating pizza every time. Every episode is that way. It's so... For like ten seasons, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, every time. So this episode, this episode introduces Baxter Stockman, who he's got a pretty interesting history. In the show, he's this sort of really meek, wild-haired, yeah, he's uh, a nerdy scientist, blonde. Who's it, like, no, my my mousers. You want you want to have my mousers? They're, they're a great invention. Yeah, and he looks like he operates out of an abandoned home or whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, a, it's <laughs> and part of it, like when he goes back to. So they introduce Baxter Stockman, and he's created this thing called a mouser that he wants to sell to an uh, to a um, exterminator company and it seeks out rodents that's that's its thing it's this little bipedal thing with a mouth and it seeks out rodents it actually kills the rat it runs up to the rat and just chomps the shit out of it and the rat's like Wah! yeah well you can tell this is a cartoon uh pre our time because um there's no trigger warning before that oh stuff. Sh- <laughs> so yeah, so so the guy throws him out because the the uh, the exterminator throws him out because he thinks that the mouser will ruin his business by eliminating all the rats, and so Baxter takes his his rapist van back to his Detroit like busted out window warehouse of a an apartment he lives at. Yeah, I don't know what that is. You'd think for a guy who's obviously educated and can make shit, he would be doing something. Like I don't understand how this guy is. I mean, this guy could be working at a fucking radio shack. He could and be still working paying the rent at MIT or something, and he's he's living in a in a in a burnt out hovel essentially. Yeah, well, and the episode starts off too with a Splinter quote hurt. But he just looks like he's sleeping, and then he gets up and he's fine. I don't. I didn't understand how he was hurt at all. That that was something I didn't understand. Yeah. Um, Did we miss something? Did he get kidnapped in the last episode? Is that why he's hurt? You know, I, I no, I don't. You know, I don't remember. I, I don't think, think so. Well, whatever. He's hurt in this one. Yeah, that was it. That was just very weird. Or he was tired. I don't know. He's old. This was um, the, this was the first episode where I really noticed that Raphael was really funny. Yeah, yeah. Even even as a, as an adult. He cracks these lines that are like movie quotes, or it's just like he's just being like a sassy bitch. Yeah, and, and you're like, what? What? Yeah, they did a good job with writing his character. I mean, and and they, you know, the characters, the, all of their dialogue seems to be pretty well fleshed out. They did a good job with it. I was pretty surprised. My my kid actually was more into this one, I think, because of the mousers. This is the last one that she watched. Uh, she seemed to be kind of more into the mouser part of it and the like, the little robots and stuff. But, you know, what's interesting about Baxter Stockman was he was originally uh, in the comics anime, uh, drawn out to be uh, black. And when it came time for the show, there's this, uh, some running theories that um, they changed uh, his uh, ethnicity uh, because of any uh, possible controversy of Shredder bossing around a black guy or a black person being a villain, uh, which I thought was weird, but also not surprising because uh, it's a kid's show and they're worried about controversy but but they have kids some... think about that no kids don't think about that exactly. i didn't think about that but you know uh, apparently uh funimation did so um well, funimation is more socially see that that's a double-edged sword is it more socially conscious to to whitewash a black character because you don't want to be you don't want to seem insensitive or is that in and of itself really bad and worse than than uh having a black character that gets bossed around which is worse I don't know. I don't. That's not one I even want to touch, man. But 
You know, Shredder, he comes up to uh, Baxter Stockman in this drill elevator. That It is the first time we get to see the drill elevator, which is really cool. And they use that also in the arcade. So there's like a lot. There's a big running theme through this whole first season in the arcade. And so this is this is also where we get to see Shredder using his small little helicopter drones uh, to get his video. Which is still really confusing because they, this is the 1987 and they're going to be at least kind of loud. Yeah, I mean, I fly drones around my neighborhood, and they're they're not so quiet that you can't hear them if they're ten feet above your head. Yeah, and what happens is Shredder gets to Baxter, and yeah. Baxter gets kicked out, and Shredder gets to Baxter and and says, "Look, I represent an organization that would really like your mousers because he's thinking he's going to use them to get Splinter." Yeah, so he takes Baxter back to the Technodrome. And he has him do up the designs, or he copies the mouser, and he makes he has Baxter make him a master control, and he makes a dozen mousers, and he sends them off looking for looking for uh, Splinter. Splinter. Yeah, and so the mousers Splinter at this time is at April's apartment because he's sick or hurt, and he needs to rest. He's- yeah, they ended up, they they ended up going to April's apartment, which by the way is a huge apartment for New York. Yeah, it's, it's like-, like a two be- it's at least a two bedroom one bath and. Uh, because if you look at the size of the 1100 room, square feet <laughs> yeah i mean and she's she's probably tv reporter in the they, 1980s well they joke about her being like the third or fourth best tv reporter in in the on channel two. six news yeah on channel six news so she can't be like that she can't be in the money you know maybe you know that's I mean? maybe that's why they drew her so uh so buxomly because they had to uh, explain how she had all that money lying around. She had that walking around money. Yeah, I mean, New York's never necessarily been the most expensive city to live in. But, you know, that, I'm just, just kind of surprised by the size of her apartment that she had by herself, by the way. Yeah. So there's no roommate. I mean, April's like a, a you know, a mid-20s. Uh, you know, struggling professional trying to make it in New York, and she's in this giant apartment, Maybe she which should... Splinter is uh, sleeping in. Yeah, so. Splinter's sleeping in the bed. So the turtles go off, and they're looking for the Technodrome again. And they get lost in the sewer, which they fucking live yeah. in. They yeah. have lived their entire life in the sewer. You it's like getting lost they... in your closet. Yeah, it makes no sense. So the, they're off looking for the Technodrome. They get lost. And in the meantime... Crane uh, wants him to uh, want Shredder to build him a body. Yes, and and Shredder doesn't want to build the body because he wants to he build just, the Mousers. He wants to build the Mousers, and yeah. Crane's like, "Why are you spending time building this technology?" I was <laughs> my favorite thing about Crane is as he's talking, he'll go, he'll go, "Saki, you you fool!" He'll like croak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why, is, why can't he just talk? Is it something? He always sounds. He always sounds wet. Sucky, you fool! Yeah, I didn't. I, he's just like kind of a weird character. Uh, I mean, they, he's animated well, and the fight with the mousers is animated well. Again, yeah. I mean, so, more well animated fighting. So the mousers um, attack the apartment. They find they find Splinter. Somehow they bust through the wall, and she's at the time you don't see it, but when it pans out, she April occupies like the second or the second most or the topmost floor the second to the top or the topmost floor yeah. in this apartment building somehow the mousers chew through the walls i don't know how they could fly they walked up the side of the apartment building so they get through magic levitation yeah, i don't know they have booster rockets in their feet so they get through the walls and um, they attack splinter and april and they defend themselves. Splinter, for being a you know master martial artist, is not that great at being a martial artist. I mean, I get he might be old, but you'd think that being a mutated animal would give make... him like some sort of super strength or, or something. Something, yeah. 
but it doesn't. So he pulls out his he pulls out his karate chopping hands and he starts hacking away at the mousers. And I think April has like a rolling pin and a frying pan because yeah. she's a woman. Well, and Shredder's a terrible thing that they, they she thinks to grab is frying pan and a rolling. Pin. Well, and Shredder's a terrible villain because he he only makes twelve and then sends them after them, and then he's he comments on that. He's like he's like I can't wait to do I can't wait for these for there be, to be more of these. I want to send these now and get him. Yeah, and so only twelve. It only takes twelve to destroy a building or whatever. Okay, so hold on. So they're they're defending themselves, and they actually look like they're about to get overrun. And then the turtles come back. Oh, no, wait. The 12 aren't the ones that destroyed the building. The 12 are the ones that went after Splinter. Those get destroyed. Oh, okay. And so then, then the, the 1,200 that he makes goes after yeah. the building. But he makes 1,200 of them, and he wastes all of this time when he could just be d- doing world domination shit and then not worrying about the turtles. Like, no, make the turtles an afterthought. Yeah, but his, he's, he's terrible. His fatal flaw is that he has to destroy his ancient enemy. And I don't know how he's even his ancient enemy. Like, what did, what did Splinter... What did, uh, what was his name? Hamato Yoshi. What did he ever do to the Shredder? He had better bow skills and nunchuck skills. Yeah, and all, and all of a sudden that makes him his mortal enemy, his lifelong adversary. What? Because he was, was running the dojo and you wanted to run it? What he the? was better than him. He's just pissed that he's second fiddle. Yeah, like what the hell? So the 1200 ones go up to the uh, the apartment and that's when the turtles get lost. They, they're looking for the Technodrome and the, yeah, and the 1200 yeah. come up. So the 1200... Thing. They they chew through the walls. They the, destroy the building. They well the turtles come back. They throw like a they throw one of Leonardo's swords through the through the the window and they slide down off of a taller building. They slide Some, down. Yeah. Somehow they, they're like up. They go from the sewers to a taller building than April's like forty story apartment building. Yeah, I don't know, but they they end up leaving the building and then the building gets destroyed. And the first thing I thought was. Wait a minute, aren't there hundreds of people in that building? <laughs> and nobody seems concerned. Like, Turtles don't care. Oh, Abel yeah. doesn't give two shits. He's no- like, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Smith next door. I always used to say hi to her when I get my newspaper. She's fucking dead. Oh, well, not my problem. She's fucking dead. Yeah, I mean, so they, they destroy this building, and again, nobody cares. And then- <laughs> It just falls down in the middle of New York City. The building, a 40-story building, just collapses, and everyone's just like, oh, dang, we almost didn't make it. Oh well, yeah. You know, so they end up back trying to destroy like the the control component or whatever that's in this abandoned building or whatever that they've been working yeah. in. And Krang ends up helping Michelangelo. Well, because Michelangelo gets captured, they send. He has the bright idea that one turtle could get into that building and and destroy the command, which thing. is terrible. Yeah, he thinks that one can... Well, I mean, if you give him credit, he is a ninja, or at least he's supposed he's nominally a ninja. So one ninja. Going in and being sneaky might have a better chance at... But all he does is yell, Cowabunga, dude, so he's not that sneaky. Yeah, I don't know why they picked the worst ninja to... They picked the loudest, uh, like, 80s dude character to to send in. So he gets captured by the Shredder pretty easily, and uh, he's sitting there and trying to get out of his ropes, and he can't. Right. Because he's a terrible ninja. And then Krang comes over and he's like, Whoa, dude, his fucking brain. What the fuck? Oh, shit, I'm tripping. I'm going to help you. And Mike's sitting there going, I'm tripping balls, man. I shouldn't have had that THC and LSD pizza. (laughs) Which wouldn't be surprising because it's Michelangelo. Yeah. So, yeah, so then he actually helps them out. And then Donatello then makes uh, the Mousers attack Shredder. This is the Um, first instance 
that uh, I uh, de- yeah, yeah I, I started calling it Deus Ex Donatello because he tends to come in out of nowhere and fix the problem that they're with, having with magic shit that nobody explains. Like he has no oh. idea. He lives in a sewer, but now he knows how to like rewrite a uh, code and like rewire a control mechanism. So, so the first instance of made this... by an interdimensional being's uh, high, uh, highly advanced technology. So the first instance of this was back in the last episode where they were uh, being attacked by all the robots, all the machines. And they destroy one of them, and this little thing pops out. It's like it looks like a it looks like a, a big giant transistor, and he picks it up and he looks at it. And he must immediately know what it is, and he takes it with him. And they go into another room where the do- the thing the door shuts behind him, and then this big spiked roller comes flying out. Yeah, him. and he goes, "Oh, I got this thing!" And he tapes it to the wall with his turtle duct tape that he had somewhere, and then. Leo pulls out a, uh, a shuriken and and he's like, hit it, Leo! And he throws it. And he just knows that that thing is going to explode and pop a hole in the wall. He's yeah. got some weird meta-knowledge of this universe that of, nobody else has. Yeah, of things that sh- he should not know yeah. at all. And this is also kind of cool because this is where they get the van that becomes the turtle van. <laughs> that they steal from yeah. Baxter Stockman. Yeah, well, they end up stealing a lot of shit from Baxter Stockman. Because these are the heroes. These are our heroes. And they, they steal Baxter's van, who by all accounts isn't a bad guy. No, he's, he's just he kind of dumb. He's kind of dumb for a smart guy. Yeah. And he gets in with the wrong crowd, but he's not objectively evil. He's not like, I'm going to kill the turtles and Splinter. You know, he's... He's just like, you want to buy my mousers? Okay. Uh, hey, you want this? You want this cord from Radio Shack? Uh, I promise it will help. Yeah. Not only is not only does he like, let's let's stop for a second and talk about how shitty of a life Baxter Stockman has. <laughs> yeah, he lives in an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> he lives in a shitty. He's apartment. trying to sell some sort of mechanical robot that kills rats yeah. to an exterminator that doesn't want it. He gets he gets uh, he gets taken in and abused by this ninja crime lord and then eventually which is in uh later seasons turned into a giant fly yeah and then but but before that a group of turtles a group of mutant turtles steals his only mode of transportation and all the stuff from his house and then goes into his apartment and takes all his shit yeah well, and so this episode ends on another pizza joke. This is the third episode in a row that ends on a pizza joke. When Michael Inc., uh, Michelangelo mentions he has one pizza too many and everybody laughs. I didn't <laughs> and I didn't understand the joke, but apparently that's a, a super hilarious turtle joke. Well, I guess turtles have a different sense of humor. So season f- uh, one, episode four is called Hot Rotting Teenagers from Dimension X. And this is where we get to meet the neutrinos. Oh, uh, the neutrinos. Well, let's start. This is the episode where they... they at the start of this episode, that's when they steal all of Baxter's shit. And yeah. the best part was that they to, to, they wanted to outfit the van that they stole from Baxter with yeah, all this, the shit. This episode literally picks up right where the last yeah. one left off. And they literally push a van up God knows how many flights of stairs. Yeah, like five flights of stairs. They push a van upstairs. Somehow there's a, there's a flight, there's... The, <laughs> the stairs are wide enough to get a van up and enough space to then turn it and, and then get it up more flights yeah, of stairs. Yeah, there's no there's no tiers. It's just a straight shot. You know, this building is this building is two miles long because it's a straight shot up the stairs. Yeah, so they the, take the it floor. up and they start ripping the van apart to work on it. And then and, it, we, and Don, yeah, Don automatically knows how to use all the tools and knows what everything in the thing is for. And knows how to fix everything because yeah. uh, more Deus Ex Donatello. Yeah. And then we cut back over to Krang who's still pissed off because he just wants Shredder Shocky. building a goddamn body. Build my body. 
But I don't get why he doesn't just build his own fucking body. Well, he's only got those little tendrils. And and a giant technodrome filled with, like, mechanical shit that can pump out 1,200 well, mousers in an hour. What I what I kind of thought when I was, when I was as I was watching it is, Shredder is, like, a master ninja, but then all of a sudden he's... He's also like a master scientist somehow. He like puts on shit and he builds shit and he knows what to do. And like he's a, he's like a polymath. He knows everything. But he's terrible apparently at everything too because every everything he comes up with, every plan he comes up with is complete and utter bullshit. Yeah, he's it's a terrible not, planner. He's a terrible planner. He's a terrible master of uh, villainous mastermind. Why did Krang ever team up with him in the first place? I want to know, like, what like luncheon did they have at, like, a TGI Friday's on a Wednesday afternoon? Order, when they decide- the, mat- order the mozzarella sticks! <laughs> like- Sucky, you fool! Don't get the appetizer platter! It's a rip-off! Like, I don't get how he ever decided to go with Shredder. One made Shredder go, yep, I haven't had enough drugs yet. Sure, I'll team up with a giant brain. I'm get, I get the feeling that they that he didn't that Krang didn't have a whole lot of choice. He was apparently exiled to this dimension, and he was exiled without his body somehow. And so you, it was a marriage got, of necessity. Yeah, I don't know. If, did they ever explain in the show if Krang originally was like one of those rock guys, and no, then when he, he got exiled, he had another body. It was like some other robot body, which but is that, why he wants okay. another one. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, it's just weird that he he lost his body. But the first time watching it with new eyes, I was like, "So wait, did he did he have a body, and that was the brain inside that body, like yours and my brain?" I think it was more like uh, <gasps> Men in Black, like giant robot with like a little alien inside. Yeah, that's kind of I, like he has. Yeah, what he has on the show now. So they introduced Dimension X and. Dimension X is this war-torn dimension that Krang's from. He was the and everything is orange. Yeah, he was the Lord High Commander of the Night's Watch in the uh, in Dimension X. He was uh, yeah. he was the ultimate ultra whatever. ultimate badass. Yeah, and he's got rock warriors. Yeah, rock warriors that are impervious to uh, all damage. Right. So Shredder decides he's going to open the gateway to Dimension X because he doesn't want to build Krang a body. He wants to open the gateway and bring rock soldiers in and use that to conquer the turtles. Because that's all he cares about. Is the fucking turtles and Splinter. Not yeah. conquering the planet like he did like three episodes ago. But now in episode four, all he wants is the goddamn turtles. Yeah. So, so he goes he goes and opens the thing. And then what flies out within two seconds of him opening it? Two flying Cadillacs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that are... That are uh, that are piloted by three weird fu- uh, futuristic rockabilly depictions greasers. of greasers. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, in what, look and in mannerism, they're like, "Yo, what's up, Daddy O?" Well, they only show the uh, the name of one of those characters, or they only give the name of one of those characters, and it's the girl, and her name right. is Kala. Yeah, they use it three times, but I don't know why they didn't name the other characters because, to be fair. She's really boring. Yeah. Of the uh, of the other two, between the other two and her, she's the most boring one. Yeah. She. I think. I mean, their I'll, whole shtick is that they have flying cars. BFD. I yeah. mean, they're they're cool looking, but they're kind of annoying. Yeah. This was the first time that I really noticed that they don't use bullets, even when they're using regular guns. They use lasers. Yeah. Because bullets, I guess, are more violent than lasers. Lasers, you can yeah. you can shoot. Even I think though, it got started from GI Joe. Yeah, but even though when they would shoot the guns that ha- that shot that out had lasers, actual bullets would come out. Bullets would come out of the gun as they were shooting, but it would be shooting lasers, like laser bullets. And then when they were ha- like an M sixteen shooting 
like an actual bullet, it would show green laser. Yeah. And so that even the, the cops have lasers. Even the cops don't have regular guns. They have yeah, lasers. apparently futuristic lasers for everyone. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a weird uh, war torn laser utopia. Yeah. Um, so they end up they end up getting through the the gateway, and a couple of rock soldiers come out. Neutrinos t- they take off. And then it cuts to, um, you know, they're looking for the Technodrome, and um, the Technodrome is parked under the Twin Towers. <laughs> and I thought... Bump, bump. Bump, bump, And so, apparently the neutrinos are just high school punks who hate war. They're like, they're like weird war hippies. War is bad, man. They're, yeah, they're hippie rockabilly. Yeah. I mean... Hippabillies. Yeah, hippabillies. Oh, that, that could be a, like a weird, like, uh, small child's uh, uh, TV show, like on PBS or something, yeah. I'd imagine. So I wrote down that there was another Deus Ex Don, Donatello. Like, they, they get together with the neutrinos, they make friends, the turtles do. They explain their, they explain their situation, the turtles want to help. And then they get shot by the rock guys in the, in the tank by eyeball missiles. Oh, or that's eyeball right. rockets. Yeah. Which was very weird. Yeah. Um, they never explain why the rockets have to look like eyeballs. Um, because toys that's an easy toy to make but that driving battle is awesome that was really cool i actually really enjoyed that i watched that i went and rewound it watched it a second time nice and the music was kick-ass but still more dumb neutrinos yeah so they uh they realize that they got to get the neutrinos back and they got to stop krang from bringing over more rock soldiers right that's this episode or is it not yeah yeah so they no 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 that's uh that's the next one this is a the Rock Warriors, um, one of them has some sort of weird weather device and throws it up ah, in the air. Ah, that's right. And so um, Donatello apparently also knows how to drive one of these uh, Wait, flying cars, Wait, is that in too. this episode or is it in the next episode? No, no, that's this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the weather device is in this episode and it, the weather's all crazy and they decide to go up there. So Mike can bash through solid metal, which we established uh, in the Bebop and Rocksteady yeah. uh, intro episode, but he can do nothing to the Rock Warriors and he breaks his nunchucks. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently the Rock is... Ma- is harder and more durable than these giant mechanical metal creatures that i didn't understand you think like chips would come off or something but nothing they're they're powerful yeah and so then they they destroy the weather device because leonardo jumps up into the air suicidal like (laughs) did you ever see did you ever see um rain of Rain of Fire. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Matthew McConaughey's character at the end where he jumps with the axe. He's like, ah! And then he gets eaten by a dragon. Yeah, but instead of getting eaten by a dragon, he, he destroys the weather device. He saves the world. Yeah, so then April, uh, they all end up back in the turtle bunk. And uh, April reads them the tortoise and the hare no, to put I, them I to wrote, bed. I wrote that turtles sleep in bunk beds. They have a four-story yeah, four bunk. bunk bed. What? And they kept the neutrino car, which is kind of cool. Yeah, they, they punked a car out of the neutrinos. How did that Oh, thanks. Thanks for helping us, Daddy-O. Here, take one of our vehicles that has guns and all of our technology, bro. Yeah, like, no no, no thought to the Prime Directive here. Oh, don't get me started on the Prime Directive. So, uh, yeah, the story ends, and then Leonardo's like, well, they have to get their sleep. What I love is that they're all supposed to be the same age, right? They're all teenage, but Leonardo, is he acts so much older than them. He's like, oh, they need to get their rest, because tomorrow we face the Shredder. Yeah, I mean, the the, uh, the maturity level between Leonardo and Michelangelo is maybe at least 10 years. Well, they are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It doesn't specify. So maybe, like, Leo is 19, Donatello is... He's like a Se- savant 17-year-old. Yeah, he's like 17. Raphael is probably... Uh, he's like that angsty 15-year-old. And then Michelangelo is like 13. He just He's just discovering... I don't know his inner asshole. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but but so we're at the last episode here called Shredder and Splintered, and Donatello somehow had time. And, and keep in mind, this episode literally picks up the next day, 
Like, right afterwards. And so, in the, from the time that April put them to sleep, and to the time that they wake up and walk into a, a weapons room down in the, the turtle lair, Donatello somehow had time to make turtle communicators. He styles them like turtle uh, shells, and they, they instantly communicate with each other. When the fuck did he have time to do that? I don't know. It's like, he makes he makes an all, all-purpose walkie-talkie. And I, I think in later episodes, when they actually show it, they can look, it's like a video, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. they FaceTime each other. Yeah, I mean, this is like pre-FaceTime FaceTime. Yeah, but the, I, I like how, I mean, it, it's it's so obvious that they were making all this, they were making everything to be a toy because everything has a turtle motif. The van has a turtle motif. The communicators have a turtle motif. Everything that they do, every vehicle they have is fashioned after turtle. I would think that, like, how weird is that? Like, when you, <laughs> I'm imagining... They're like, now we want you to draw a communicator, but it has to be something that would be uh, easy to manufacture in China. No, I'm just imagining, like, I'm imagining, like, a, like if the show was just, you know, teenage, regular guy, ninja people... And they make like a, they make like a, like a, like a flesh golem van. Like it's, it's just modeled after people. It's got like arms coming out of it. And like, like weird skin flaps. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing's got like shell on the top of it. Like the roof looks like a shell. Can you imagine it? It's like, I'm going to design this top, van to look like my body. The top of the van is just like a, is just hair. Yeah. It's kind of creepy when you think about it. Yeah. It, it's like it's like they're holding a tiny turtle in their hand. That's their communicator. Yeah. So in this episode, Shredder has a gun that can retro- retroactively mutate uh, any of his mutants. The retro mutagen gun. Yeah. The retro mutagen gun. Um, and so now the turtles want it because they can turn Splinter back into uh, human, which is only true for the cartoon because in the in the comics he's he the actually is rat. the he's a mutated rat that's the pet of uh, of Yoshi. So well, see, I, I, so in the beginning of this episode. They, well, towards the beginning, they have a fight with Bebop and Rocksteady. And this is the first time that I've yeah. seen them fight. I actually wrote down, they seem somewhat competent as fighters. Yeah, Bebop yeah. And they, Rocksteady. They're they like firing guns own. and stuff. Yeah. They pop yeah. out of nowhere. They grab the turtles by like their throats and they toss them around. And then they start firing guns. And Bebop throws a fucking car yeah. at them. So he can he can throw the car, but you know this this why particular fight wasn't as well cars? animated. I, I thought, yeah, but it was it was entertaining. I was like, holy shit! They actually, I mean, it, it always sucks when there's a villain like henchmen because they're the henchmen. Yeah, and, and the henchmen are always lame. Yeah, but it these are cool the, the henchmen. Hen- yeah, the henchmen don't do anything. They're like, I'll get you, and then they just get their ass kicked, and it's just stupid and boring. But they actually hold their own, and you're like, oh, this fight, they're actually having to work to, to beat yeah, these guys. Yeah, it kind of makes it interesting. Um, and so they so they uh, they have the flying car, but the flying car is out of gas yeah, runs or <laughs> plutonium. Yeah, Donatello, um, that's another one where Donatello can just look at the engine and go... I think it runs on plutonium. Yeah, so the flying car apparently runs on plutonium, but doesn't cause lymphoma. Yeah, like <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, so I mean, the neutrinos all seem perfectly fine. That they're exposed to exposed to plutonium on a regular. Well, they basis, are. They so are no from problem. another dimension. Why, why would they even have plutonium in another dimension? I don't know. Uh, apparently, um, the physical world operates exactly the same in the other dimension. Yeah. So, so this Krang is, finally gets his kick-ass body. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> this is the one where this isn't um, doesn't Shredder like put on like a hazmat suit over his? Yes. He puts on a hazmat suit to pick up Krang, but he doesn't. Or you know, he puts on gloves over his spiked gauntlets. He puts the whole suit on over his whole spike suit. <laughs> Just wearing like three layers of clothing because I assume he has something under that metal shit so he's not chafing himself. Yeah, I would hope so. there's some sort of lube or something in there keeping it from getting weird. It, let's, those... wait, let's talk about that for a second. Shredder sits around all day, every day in full armor. 
be like a knight wearing his full set of armor all the time. So it's funny you say that because I saw a video of this dude over in the UK who decided to live an entire day in a suit of armor. And they start the the video off as just mostly them trying to get the dude into his car. (laughs) They can't get him in because he can't fit. So the the only way to get him in is to put the seats down and they have to pick him up and lay him down across the 500 pounds they have to pick up. Yeah, he's pretty heavy. So imagine, I mean, that's what Shredder's dressed like. How does he get around? How does he pee? That uh, crotch plate is probably pretty rusty. I hope he's got some some stainless steel right there because it's going to be a it's going to be a mess. So he builds Krang's body finally because he realizes Krang is the only one that can help him. Yeah. Krang is the only one that can help him defeat the turtles. And Krang, Krang uh, is happy because he finally has his new body. And he tells Shredder to put in this molecular accelerator chip. Molecular yeah, whatever. It makes him grow big or small. And he can do shit. He can like turn his hand into a... A screwdriver or a clamp or yeah, he's some got a, other he's got a Swiss, Swiss Army hand. And uh, <laughs> I remembered what the thing looked like. But I, I mean, I remembered sort of what it looked like. But seeing it again, I just like how freaking retarded it looks. It looks like he crawled into sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> and the thing occasionally makes noise where it goes, <laughs> like, it's, like it's like it's trying to it's trying to self uh self realize itself. Yeah, like like it's it's a combination of Frankenstein and sloth because it's got the sort of like pinhead Yeah, it's got this like forehead like a uh, microcephaly head. It's like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what what Shredder was thinking when he built this thing cuz obviously he designed it and then he gave it 3D glasses or what it looks like 3D glasses yeah. it's so weird like like Shredder's design aesthetic is aesthetic as fuck because yeah. it is awesome well, also, I mean it's also, terrible but it's awesome he also awesome. has all of his he also has all of his ninja dressed in like like midnight purple because <laughs> nothing with giant foots on their forehead nothing says stealth like midnight purple yeah okay so so Crane gets his Crane gets his uh he gets his body. He gets his short bus, yeah. basically. And then, meanwhile, April finally decides that after a week of not doing anything or reporting to her job, that maybe she should go to work. Yeah. So she goes to her to work, and she's mad that they give the story to somebody else. And, and then, the, and then her, she, boss, her boss even says, yeah. April, you've been gone for three days. Where have you been? And so then April threatens her boss with terrorism to get a new crew. <laughs> She literally threatens her boss with an act of terrorism. She threatens to blow up the building if she doesn't get a news crew. I mean, that's some pretty messed up stuff. Now, I don't know if you remember. This is very obviously a pre-9-11 world here. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I wrote down, where do they come up with these catchphrases? Because I don't remember exactly what they were, but... Oh, no, I remember now. So when the Turtles are fighting someone during the episode, Leonardo... or no, it's Donatello. Donatello throws up his arm and he goes, Turtles fight with honor! And I was like, where the fuck did that come from? That came out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, and it's it's one of those things where it kind of takes you out of the moment because the animation's cool. Yeah. And they're doing, they got that... They slam on the brakes. And they slam on the brakes with ninjas fight with honor. And you're <laughs> like, well, not really. I mean, the whole point of a ninja is stealth no, and it's like... Turtles. Turtles fight. With well, honor. whatever. It's it's t- still it still takes you out of it. My my favorite line in this actually I think in this whole five episode thing is um, Raphael is uh, they're in the Technodrome. They get into the Technodrome to like try and destroy the the device or whatever, and uh, they're looking for um, the, the control, control panel, the control the, panel, the dimensional. And portal. Raphael uses the term ghetto blaster. Yeah, he goes look at he goes what's this oversized ghetto blaster? And I was just thinking. 
holy shit, did Raphael just say Ghetto Blaster? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I kind of want, I kind of just want to make that, I want to, I want to sample that and make that my ringtone. I just, anytime I, I want phone that rings a, for Raphael to just shout out, hey, is that a Ghetto Blaster? I want that on a t-shirt. Is that an oversized Ghetto Blaster? So, was that before or after they fight Krang? Uh, no, that was before. So we also re- learned that Shredder can apparently make fucking holograms of himself. Oh yeah, which is never explained. But he okay, fights so, Splinter and he makes holograms of himself. So he fights Splinter because they try and get that en- the the retro mutagen gun away from him. But Splinter is the only one that goes to get it because he knows that if they if uh, Shredder uses it on him, he'll just turn back into a man. But if he uses it on the turtles, they'll turn back into which like is pet what, store which turtles. Which is what Shredder wants in the first place. Yeah. So so Splinter. Goes after the gun, and the turtles go after the... Krang, and the control and stuff. The, yeah, yeah, the control panel for the dimensional gate. Yeah, and then so, while Splinter's fighting uh, Shredder, then Krang gets giant... He, like, supersizes himself. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they go out and they fight him, and so... And the turtle blimp is no. revealed! <laughs> so Donatello goes, hold on a second, I think I saw something back in Baxter's lab that could help. Yeah. And he goes back to Baxter's lab, and steals more of his shit... And somehow Baxter's got a glider in there. So he uses the glider and the technology, the alien technology from the neutrino car, and makes a blimp and a glider together. And you that know, makes he, a turtle blimp. He could have saved a lot of time if he didn't paint the fucking blimp to look like a turtle. Shell. Yeah, he, I mean, think about that. He ha- the, it has the whole like logo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like on the side of the blimp. It's so obviously made for toys. Yeah, he didn't even think about that when he did it. I mean, yeah. oh, that's well, just that's just prescient. He knows. He knows it's going to be a great toy. More Dave Sex Donatello. Yeah, that's so what he, that shit is. So the three of them are trying to fight the Krang. Oh, it has a weird horn noise though. D- did you notice? I didn't notice the horn. So so he honks the horn as like mar, mar, like a semi rig, <laughs> which was kind of weird because he he took parts from the neutrino car and then mixed it with a blimp and a glider, and he somehow gets a, a semi. I guess so. That was the one of the weird like sound effects that kind of threw me off. For the most part, the show was very consistent with the sound effects. So the three other turtles are fighting Krang as a normal sized normal sized guy, but then Krang like activates his thing and he starts growing all huge. Yeah, and he gets to the size of like the skyscrapers around. He's like you know 100 feet tall, 200, 300 feet tall, and they're like, oh god, what do I do? And then Donatello shows up out of nowhere with the turtle blimp that he just built out of spare parts. In no time at all. In no time. And, like, yeah, he, he built like an, entire, an entire vehicle, yeah, in the time it took them to, to fight him for a handful of minutes. And he throws ropes down to him. They climb up on the blimp, and he, uh, goes, with Mike, or he goes with Leonardo onto the uh, shoulder, onto the shoulder yeah. while Mike and Raph, who do not know how to fly the thing, he goes, take over! They start flying. They don't know what they're doing. They're, like, dropping bombs on him or something. Like, he... <laughs> Donatello was able to add munitions to this thing. Yeah, so he he took he made a bunch of like uh, weird uh, rockets and lasers and shit, and he put weapons. it on this yeah we- all kinds of weird weapons. Where he gets them, I I think he got some of them from the neutrino car. But like, Baxter's magical lab, yeah, Baxter's magical lab of fun toys. Yeah, and they go inside of the body uh, through the shoulder. Yeah, and in, like the, a weird scene. The body's got a lot more like gears, like a watch, than I thought it would. Yeah, I, I was like, this seems very weird to be like so gear oriented. You you think there'd be more hydraulics or something? But yeah, no, it's it's no. like it's like a clock. He's a clockwork man. But this is so they fight Krang and then they destroy the the thing, the chip inside, and Krang comes back to normal size and they they hop out. Meanwhile, Shredder and Splinter are fighting, and uh, this is when they all end up back in the Technodrome. And then my, this is my second favorite line from season one, uh, which is a super iconic uh, Turtles line, which I think you guys might. 
might know, um, when Shredder uh, says, tonight I dine on turtle soup. Yeah, that's um, when he's about, to, he's about to use the gun on the uh, turtles. Right, he's going to use the gun on the turtles. I think that's um, the line that he says in the, in the arcade game, too. When you fight Shredder the first time, he goes, tonight I dine on turtle soup. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, this whole season one is basically like a shot-for-shot translated over to the arcade game. Yeah. So so the episode basically ends with uh, Shredder and Krang and everything in the Technodrome getting sucked in like a like a donut, kind of well, getting sucked into a wormhole, well, and then uh, they end Splinter, up in Dimension X. Splinter, Splinter destroys, he throws his walking stick and destroys the gun because that Shredder is going to use it on the turtle. That's yes, his selfless act. Yeah, so he destroys the gun, and then Shredder hops on the back of Krang. That was before. Yeah, and he so rides ride, him like a piggyback. Yeah, right? he rides him. He rides him like a like a plane. And they oh, fly, that's right. They yeah, fly like back to the they fly back to the Technodrome, and they go chase him. And they they know they need to do something about the uh, dimensional portal because Krang is like, I'm going to bring all the soldiers through. Yeah, now. yeah, he's going to bring and them so, all through. So he talks to the guy on the other side, and he's like, Oh, I've got ten legions of your rock soldiers ready to blah blah blah. And so they open up the gate, and they start coming through. And then Donatello, in a feat of mad scientist geniusy stuff. Somehow magically reverses the polarity. He knows how to do it. And, and because, because Donatello deus ex machina. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then they, they turn on the thing again. They flip the switch. And then everything's get start, yeah, they, everything gets started. Yeah, starts getting sucked through the portal. And somehow this thing the size of Shea Stadium. Imagine if you were in the middle of Shea Stadium. Imagine if you were or in the middle of any baseball any, stadium. Yeah, you're, in, you're, you're on the pitcher's mound. And you've got about 20 seconds to get outside. Somehow they managed to get far enough outside that they they escaped. They didn't get sucked in. Yeah, yeah. Even though the thing was being sucked in on itself, like a like a like a yeah, with suction. They're pulling tanks in and giant heavy rock men that Michelangelo can't destroy magically. Yeah. So the episode ends and the ending is super eighties because there's a lot of music and they're like Bleh. yeah, a lot of wailing guitars. Yeah. And uh, and then that's how it ends. And uh, they kind of ended on a cliffhanger, like uh, they're gone forever. And Splinter's like, I don't think that's the last we've seen of Orokosaki. Yeah, and it, it ends with it ends with Splinter or Splinter. It ends with uh, Shredder throwing a fucking tantrum in Dimension X. He's like, yeah. No, I don't wanna. Yeah, Crane, Crane's like, No, I'll get to. I'll get to conquer Dimension X. He's like, it's like I don't want to conquer Dimension X. I don't want to. <laughs> so that's that's how it ends, and that's that's the whole first season, all five episodes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How do you think it held up? Uh, you know, some of it actually held up better than I thought. Yeah, me too. I, I think on the whole, like you know, animation was good all the way through. It had some choppy points, but but the the stuff that counts. The, uh, the syncing of the lips with the dialogue was, for the most part, there's like one or two like hiccups, but for the most part, it was on. Yeah, there was one or two times where like Leonardo was talking, but Michelangelo's mouth was moving. You're like, right. what? Yeah, there's like a couple of those, but for the most part, they did a good job with that. The action was good. Um, it, the frame rates were pretty high, considering like I, the, it wasn't as nearly as choppy as I was expecting it to be. Because yeah. cartoons of that era were like not necessarily well known for putting high production value into their action sequences. Um, and then the music is just so super iconic. So yeah, and you know, do you think it would in its in its nineteen eighty seven incarnation? Do you think it would be of any interest to people now that hadn't seen it when they were kids? Um, you know, I, I think just just for it's kind of a time capsule. Yeah, part of me you thinks know, it's a little too eighties. It's well, you know, it's not that. It, because this one's in 87, and by the time they get to, like, the later seasons, they're mid-90s. Like, the show ended in 95, I think. Yeah. And so, by the time it gets to that, it's pretty 90s. You know, there's, 
you know, uh, a lot of the motifs have changed. Some of the uh, jokes changed. The characters have changed a little bit. But, you know, I think um, it's kind of a, a time capsule um, in a way. And, it, and it, it's got these, like, set pieces um, and 80s tood that, um, that just kind of don't translate that well to today without being old enough to understand it. Um, as I mentioned, my two-and-a-half-year-old who's, like on board as shit with Batman right now. She watched the first uh, three episodes with me and was kind of like, Daddy, I want Batman. So, you know, uh, I mean... Yeah, I don't don't know if... I mean, I know that they made... They made at least... They made at least one other series of Ninja Turtles. They did two. They did two more? So there's one that came out in, like, I think it's 2007... Yeah, and then there's and I watched uh, a decent amount of that. That one's that one will be uh, fun for us to do because it's more current, and they did a pretty decent job with that one too. The music is not like it is; it's not as iconic. Well, they it can't do some, be. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Um, and then they they have a new show out now that, to be fair, I haven't watched at all. So it'll be it'll be interesting, I think, if we go and do these other ones later. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're gonna do turtles next. But... No, it's it's kids. I mean, it, kids like animals. So I mean, that's. Look at all the all of a lot of famous cartoons are either anthropomorphic animals yeah. or animals. Well, that there's get some really gr- great, like kind of iconic characters, like um, like the Rat King that we don't get to cover in this season, and, and the Fly Baxter Stock. I mean, there's some weird characters like Monty Moose and uh, Wingnut and uh, Leo the... Lionheart. Some uh, oh. Yosaki Ojimbo. Oh, I like um, I like Leatherhead, the Cajun alligator. Yeah, I still remember because I had a toy of him, and my family went uh, camping up at uh, the mountains at, at Christmas time, and we uh, we lost Leatherhead out in the snow. We never found him again. <laughs> I still remember to this day. And you're still bitter about I'm it. I'm still deep in my heart looking for Leatherhead. Yeah. So, would you recommend it to uh, someone with their kids nowadays? Yeah, I would. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Where, what do you think? What do you think the age range age range is? You know, it's not that violent. I, I'd say. I mean, my kid's two and a half, and she, I mean, she's watching Batman's, but each kid's different. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd say three years old is probably fine. If they're watching anything on TV, like if your kids are out there watching Miles from Tomorrowland or um, they're watching uh, the new uh, Lion King, uh, Lion Guard show. I mean, it's not the the action quote is, is not going to be that much worse than anything that you're going to find in that. So I, I can't, you know, the suspense quote for kids is, is not going to be that much higher. I think you could. I think you could do it at that young age range. They might seem a little confused because, to be fair, we've kind of nerfed the the um, exposure to even the most remote mention of violence for kids now. Yeah, and these um, these old eighty these old eighties cartoons are very uh, rife with. They don't ever talk about dying. There, it's they never use that word. It's always destroyed. Like I wrote down once where one thing where uh, where the Leonardo thought that they were going to die, and he says, "Well, we're going to join our ancestors." Yeah, Instead of saying, oh, they're going to kill us or we're going to kill you or anything. Yeah, there's um, there's some stuff like that, but that's about as far as it goes. And, and you know, you never see, like, people getting cut. Uh, or no, blood. Or blood or anything like that. I mean, G.I. Joe's worse. Uh, you know, Duke gets his uh, gets his heart chewed out by a snake uh, from Serpentor. 
in the uh, in, in the, the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, you know, or they, they had a uh, Serpenter was made by the the dead bodies of Genghis Khan and uh, you know s- some of these other rulers. So yeah, we'll um, get into that sometime. Yeah, GI Joe was my jam. maybe the GI Joe movie that'd be a good one to do. Oh, I could do that one, no problem. I, I watched that not the that an- long ago. And the it animated, the animated movie. Yo, no, yeah, we're not talking about the one with the Rock. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I I liked it. I mean, it was it was fun going back down memory lane. It was uh, it was an entertaining watch, and uh, I would watch it again. I'd watch the whole series again. I mean, for me, it's it's nostalgia goggles. I watched it all when I was a kid. I watched it season, you know, first season to last season, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I'm the type of guy that can go back and rewatch stuff that I watched when I was a kid and still enjoy it. Yeah. I'm- you know, if anybody out there is, uh, you know, kind of jonesing for us to maybe do some of the other seasons, um, you know, let us know. Well, we have some other shows we're going to plan to do. Well, I guess you'll just have to wait and find out. Yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna do any suggestions for the show, uh, you can email us at childhoodremastered at gmail That's all one word. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. Our Twitter is remasteredcast. Remasteredcast. That's our Twitter handle. Yeah, so you can hit us up on either one of those if you have any suggestions. And uh, I guess that's it for this episode. Yeah, that's it. All right. That was fun. Yeah. We will see you next time with another episode of Childhood Remastered. Hope you guys have a good rest of your day.